It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. In a culture that equates alcohol with enjoyment and social acceptance, when a person can no longer drink, he or she may feel isolated or like they're living a joyless life. According to today's guest, Veronica Valley, sobriety can be a path filled with fun, belonging, relaxation, and romance. Veronica is a former psychotherapist who now works as a sobriety coach, helping people get sober and stay sober by increasing their self-worth, energy, and participation in life. She's the author of the book, Soberful, Uncover a Sustainable, Fulfilling Life Free of Alcohol. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Veronica, I'd like to begin by talking a little bit about your story. How did you get started on the path of helping people get and stay sober? Uh, Well, it was really part of my own journey. I had... um a real battle with alcohol in my early 20s. Uh, My drinking was really, I've never, I I had a very um, difficult relationship with alcohol from when I first drank as a teenager and that just sort of increased. Um, I, on the outside, kind of looked like everything was okay. You know, I'd never been fired from a job or had a DUI or anything like that. But inside, I, um, how I felt about myself, I felt very uncomfortable in my own skin and alcohol really, took away all of those very uncomfortable feelings that I didn't know how to deal with. So uh, my life wasn't really going anywhere. I mean, it wasn't awful, but it was, I was very stuck and I just used alcohol to cope with lots of different things. I also didn't think that not drinking was, was an option. I didn't know you could not drink alcohol um, until I got to 27 where I was introduced to somebody who, who showed me that, you know, I could get sober and not only could I get sober that actually life is pretty amazing um, if I eliminated alcohol? I just couldn't see at the time that alcohol was the problem. I thought it was, I thought it was a benefit. You know, I thought that it, you know, helped me relax. I thought it helped me cope. I thought it helped me have fun. But I, I couldn't see that actually it was the problem. And when I got rid of alcohol, my life began to improve. And, and from there, I went and, and trained as a therapist and, and, and have worked in this area for over 20 years. Well, you just said in, in describing your story that you hadn't been fired from a job and you didn't have a DUI. Mm. And so many people that I know that have some problems managing their alcohol say those things as well. They're in some type of a denial. They're like, Mm. well, my life isn't falling apart. I'm working. You know, so there isn't a problem. So how then can someone who may be abusing alcohol see that it is impacting their life in a negative way? That's a really good question because I think we all have quite a distorted view of what a problem is and what a problem isn't and we tend to think well I have a car and a job and a college degree I you know I can't have a problem so what I do is a very simple cost benefit analysis and we look at the cost of alcohol 
So we would literally start with how much we spend financially on alcohol. Um, and it's not just what we spend on alcohol itself, it's the associated cost. So it's takeout food and taxis and, and maybe a lost opportunity and all the hidden costs like the impact on our health because alcohol is highly toxic. It's a carcinogen. So we, we add up that. And then we also look at time because time is a big one. We can always get money back, but time we can't get back. So we look at how much time we spend thinking about drinking, thinking about not drinking, drinking and recovering from drinking. That was a big one for me. Recovering from drinking was a, took up much more time than the actual drinking. Um, you know, did it take time away from your kids? Did it take time away from the things that you really, you know, did you not go on a bike ride on a Sunday morning that you usually love to do because you're just not too hungover and tired? So we look at the time your relationship with alcohol takes up. And that's quite a big one for people. And then we look at the, the costs that really matter. How does it impact your relationships with your family, with your loved ones? Have you had any situations where you've been you know, intoxicated and said things that you've regretted and now you feel uncomfortable around those people? Do we look at how it impacts your relationships? We look at how alcohol impacts our dignity, our integrity, and our purpose which all feel, um, when we look more closely, we see that alcohol has become much more of the main event in our lives and it's moved us away from who we really are. So when I look at that with clients, just look at the, the what does alcohol cost you? It's a simple question. Are you getting a good return on your investment? Is alcohol bringing the things that it promises? And that's when people begin to have a shift in perception because the perception is alcohol is the best way to have fun, excitement, belonging, connection, to relax and to reward myself. But then if we look at the cost of that, it's kind of like, actually, am I really having as much fun as what I think I am? Because this is a pretty high cost. So you can have a cost that's unacceptable and and still on the outside, everything looks like it's you know everything looks like it's fine, and and that's the more common story uh, than than people who are perhaps you know reach rock bottom and are homeless and all that kind of stuff, which is what we tend to think an alcohol problem looks like. My client group is much more in in the middle, just as I described. Is it a good idea for any one of us to make this type of assessment? You know, I think that we all know, right, that everything, I mean, I drink Diet Coke. I don't drink it every day, but I know that it's not, you know, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't bring anything. So we all, I think all of us can benefit from looking at the stuff that we do perhaps mindlessly without thinking, stuff that's a habit, and just kind of look at the cost of that. It is all about balance, for sure, certainly with like food and all of that kind of stuff. But really, my mission is around alcohol. We have culturally very ingrained beliefs that if we don't drink alcohol, we won't be able to have fun, belonging, connection. How do we relax, reward ourselves? And that is a complete myth. I, I got sober when I was 27. And I, um, you know, I thought that was over. I thought I'd never go out and and within a year i was doing all the things i i you know been to nightclubs i've been to uh, uh concerts and festivals and weddings and vacations and i've done them all without alcohol and they have all been much better experiences 
And, and I think that we don't have that perception that we can actually enjoy ourselves and have a really, we can have fun and have a fulfilling life without alcohol. What do you believe are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about alcohol and sobriety? I think the two biggest misconceptions we have that were given to us that we didn't question are alcohol equals fun and sober equals boring. And, and that's the struggle that I see everybody who comes in my groups or my subscription group, I see them struggle with, they really can see that alcohol isn't helping. They, can, they, they, don't, they don't like how it makes them feel. They regret drinking. They, um, all of those things. But it's so deeply ingrained that if they stop drinking, they're never going to have fun again. So my work is really to challenge deeply ingrained belief systems that were given to us by our culture, the media, and our peer group. And I remember going out in England in the late 80s and, and being drunk and, and like passing out and being covered in my own vomit. And I remember wake coming round and thinking, this like this isn't fun, this isn't right. But everyone around me said, Oh my gosh, that was such a wild night. You are so crazy. That was so fun. And and I kind of absorbed that and was like, okay. So and I think that um we we have a really, you know, our perception is really skewed. And you know, especially the whole thing about sobriety being boring. That's the you know, anyone who's been sober a while. So the people love to party, we love to dance, we love to go out, we love to socialize. And it's quite incredible the first time you do that and, and you begin to you kind of leave and you're like, wow, I had an amazing time and I didn't drink. And it, it, it takes a little while for our brain to kind of catch up with that because these um, misconceptions are very deeply ingrained. When a person gets sober, we always hear about the importance of taking it one day at a time, that it can be a challenge to mm. maintain that sobriety. What are the five pillars of sustainable sobriety? You know, um, I, I will say that that's true only in the beginning. It's really important to emphasize that um, early sobriety, which is the first few months, maybe the first year, um, you need lots of support. But it's not like that long term. The, the, the first few months are different because it's such a big habit change. But after the first year or so, it, it's very different. You know, we, I don't think about not drinking. I just live my life. Um, so it, it, it can feel like one at a time at the beginning, but it's not like that long term. So the five pillars of sobriety are really personal development tools. So instead of focusing on alcohol and not drinking, what we focus on is the five pillars of the personal development tools that hold up our sobriety. So those are movement, connection, balance, process, and growth. And I'll very quickly break those down. Movement is simply about exercise, uh, making sure that we prior prioritize movement in our lives because it's the research is overwhelmingly shows it's the best way to take care of our mental health. When we've been drinking, we've really, alcohol is a central nervous system depressant, so it, it, it really affects our moods, we'll probably feel low. Then we need to move our bodies to, to raise our serotonin levels back up again. But it's also about being uh, purposeful about what we move towards in our life and what we move away from. Instead of kind of maybe drifting and going with the flow, it's about where, you know, what do I want my life to be about? Being purposeful about the direction we go in. Um, connection is that we have to have um, meaningful connection in our lives. 
it, uh, it's life-sustaining, like air and water have to have meaningful connection, which is people who know our souls. Um, it, when you have an alcohol problem, it can feel very, very, very lonely. Even if you're surrounded by people, you can feel disconnected from them and disconnected from yourself. So um, connection is about reconnecting with who you really are and, and having meaningful connection with other people. And we need that through all stages of our life. Balance is about balancing our needs. As our circumstances change, how we meet our needs change. So the best example of that is the pandemic when it started. Our circumstances changed dramatically, but we still had needs for connection and exercise and all these different things. And we had to be creative about how we met those needs. And it doesn't change, you know, our circumstances will always change. But we have all these different needs for, you know, spiritual needs, health needs, work needs, career needs, all of these different things that we have to balance and think in these changed circumstances. Process is about understanding how um, our past has affected us. Our past shows up in our present. It shows up in our behavior. So to really understand ourselves, it's why do I feel this way? Why do I have this response? What do I have this pattern in romantic relationships. It's really about revealing ourselves to ourselves, knowing ourselves on a much deeper level. And growth is, um, we are all being called to grow, you know. Uh, we are all being called uh, to grow in many different ways. And getting sober is a call to growth. It's that day that someone wakes up and, and says, I don't want to do this anymore there's got to be a different way like that's a call to growth so it's honoring this recent side of us that's calling us to grow and understanding when we grow always going to meet fear and resistance that's just part of growth and it's really having the tools to navigate around that fear and resistance what's so interesting we're talking about sustaining sobriety but everything that you mm. just mentioned it, it really is wonderful advice for optimal well-being for all areas of our life yeah yeah that, that's really thank you for saying that that's really what the five pillars of sobriety are i i tell people their personal development for sober people but here's the thing everybody on the planet has your personal development we all have to do these things so um, I tailor them for people with alcohol problem, but really, you're absolutely right. This is just personal development that we all have to do. It's, it's a kind of model for, for living, I guess. Because if you don't heal the inside, which is what you're asking us to do with, with these pillars, mm-hmm. you look to the outside world, whether it be alcohol, mm-hmm. drugs, you know, spending money, mm-hmm. the big house, whatever it may be, we're looking to something on the outside to heal us or numb us or to complete us in some way. That's absolutely right. We live in two worlds. We live in the internal world and the external world. And what happens is the external world is um, the checklist, what we have, how much money we have, what we look like, what other people think about us. And we get lost in the external world and we look for external to, you know, if I just had that job, if I just lost 10 pounds, if I just had that relationship. And, and we think those are the things that will lead us to feel um, happy, secure, and safe. Whereas really our true home is our internal world. And it's in our, we, that's where we really have to live. So it's not what other people can mean. It's what I think of myself that's, that's important. And to do the work to make sure that I'm, that, that, that what matters is, is that I'm connected with myself. That it's what, you know, my opinion of myself. And that the answers are internal, not external. 
What do you advise we do to navigate social situations while staying sober? Yeah, that's really interesting because there's a lot of pressure from people to drink. You know, I want to make being alcohol-free just like being gluten-free or dairy-free. You, you know, when I used to live near, near New York, and if I, if you were, you know, I had a friend who visited who was gluten dairy-free, and it was really no problem for her to be catered to. You know, we could go out and eat, and it, you know, it was not an issue. Whereas if you don't drink alcohol, people just find that bizarre, and 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 it, it because of this cultural belief that alcohol is the best way to f- have fun, rewind, you know, unwind, relax. So they're not hearing you say. Um, I don't drink alcohol. What they're hearing you say is I've volunteered to never have fun or unwind or relax again. And they take it upon themselves to say, oh, go on, just do it. Just have one. It's a Friday. Go on, busy week. You do. So people really don't understand that. You know, if you're gluten-free, nobody comes up to you and just go on, have a bread roll, just have one <laughs> bread roll. You know, right. they, they're like, oh, okay. So um, we are seeing a shift. More and more people are sharing their stories about going alcohol-free and I think the more we do that, it makes it more acceptable. Um, there's also a wonderful selection of um, uh, non-alcoholic spirits and wines now. I've been to events recently where I've had enjoyed a couple of non-alcoholic wines and non-alcoholic cocktails. So to anyone else, they just, you know, nobody would know if I was drinking or not. So um, I make a point whenever I go out to always ask for a non-alcoholic wine. And if they say don't carry it, then at least they're kind of hearing from their customers that, that's something that they want to have. So I'm hoping more and more places will begin to carry it. So that's one of the things. Then people just don't bother you. But what I tell my clients to say is, if people sort of ask you why you're not drinking or why you can't just have one, just say, you know, it really doesn't agree with me. Alcohol really doesn't agree with me. I don't have a very pleasant experience. So I'm, I'm great here with my, you know, whatever it is I'm drinking. Because once you've said that, what's anyone going to say? <laughs> once you've told them it doesn't agree with you, it's not a pleasant experience. That's you know, and, and it's really, I, I really culturally want to shift us towards accepting that being alcohol-free is no different to being gluten-free or dairy-free. And guess what? We're not missing out on anything. The book is Soberful, Uncover a Sustainable, Fulfilling Life Free of Alcohol. If you'd like to get more information about Veronica and her work, you can visit Soberful.com. Veronica, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I want pe- The biggest thing is I want people to know that um, if they are struggling with an alcohol problem, that there is help. There's lots of different forms of help. But also to know... It, it, Quitting drinking, living an alcohol-free life is amazing. You're not going to miss out on anything. In fact, you're going to gain. And you need to just give it a chance. Give it a chance. Uh, Get some support. Work with some people. Join groups. Uh, Give yourself a year or so to do all of the different things you can do sober and then make your decision. But I want everyone who's listening to this to know 100% that when you stop drinking, it is not a life of missing out or lack. It is just the opposite. Veronica, thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, 
C-Y-A, C-Y-L.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.